Alrighty. This morning, who's enjoying... Oh, that's probably the wrong question. Who's keeping up with the Bible reading plan? <laughs> A few hands are going up. Anybody quit already? Don't have put your hand up for that one. Anyone go, oh man, it's five or six chapters a day, it's killing me. Um, if you're keeping up to the plan, you're up to chapter 21 of Genesis already this morning. That's, that's a fair effort from Tuesday. Um, so that's pretty good. Anybody got questions already? It's like, man, it's strange. Anyone pick up that strange thing like Lot's wife gets turned to a pillar of salt and then his two daughters that are left decide that dad's the only way they're going to make babies. So that's what happens. And you kind of go, really? That's a bit creepy. But why is it in there? Like, why is that in there? It's actually explaining the genealogy of two cursed nations, the Moabites and the Ammonites. And they later get dealt with by God. But this is just a little story of like, well, they appear to got got away with it. It's like, there's no consequences. It just tells that little story, then you move on. It's like, whoo, that was weird. But down the track, problems. The Moabites and the Ammonites are um, not looked on kindly by God. And... uh, so the Bible's always got these little incidents in the Old Testament, in the narrative part of it, that explain where it started, but there's at that time no explanation as to what that's about. And there's going to be more and more little segments of bizarre and uh, perverted and difficult things as you read. Just, just keep on keeping on, all right? Um, if you've got questions, that's okay. That's good. If you've got really deep questions, talk to Tim Scott. He'd love to hear from you. He's, he's, got, he's got pearls of wisdom. Um, Tim's working on a Bible study, uh, what would we call it, Tim? Course. Three, three or four courses this year that he's going to run, uh, as in evenings. And he's just got a great skill set to help you understand how to read the Bible and what's in it. And uh, he's just going to add to the flavour of what we're looking at this year. So keep your ears peeled for that and we'll let you know when that's going to happen. Um, but I'm going to get on with it today because we've got to get on to it today. Okay, so why did God give us choice? This is a, a Bible project, Bible study, named that, which is lining up with this first week. So everything's kind of linked this year together and it's going to be easy to stay on track together with reading the Bible, going to Connect Group, talking about the same topic. And this one is, why did God give us the ability to choose? Let's just hit that video clip, please, Lockie. When we first spoke on the phone, she was warm, friendly, she laughed at my jokes. It was a beautiful thing. We got along like a house on fire until... Until what? Until the house caught on fire. And I rang her to make an insurance claim. Hello, trust? Whatever happened to trust? Trust, trust, trust! Don't you know me with those? They're actually 10 years ago, those adverts. So um, who can you trust? Well, definitely insurance companies would be probably in the lower echelons of (laughs) most people's um, experiences of life, but we won't go there. We're not here to sledge any insurance companies. If you're watching, God bless you. Um, But the question is, who can you trust? So have you ever been duped into making a bad choice? Um, how do you feel when people play tricks on you? They tell you to trust them and they prove themselves to not be trustworthy, let you down, stab you in the back, just do something that disappoints you. So one of the issues at stake in these sorts of scenarios is trustworthiness. And uh, I'm sure you've heard of the 
um, saying, and it's um, certainly something that I would think is a reasonable thing to say, that someone's got to earn my trust. You heard that? So we, we talk about tra- transacting in trust as something that's earned. In other words, I've got to prove my trustworthiness to you and vice versa. But that question is probably right at the heart of and something that's so foundational to understand as a Christ follower about God and, and what the problem that the Bible explains, the first problem in the Bible is a matter of trust. Nothing else, nothing, nothing more, nothing less than trust. And so the question stands, why did God give you and me the ability to choose? And I've put this quite bluntly. The answer is simple. He is absolutely trustworthy to the point that he couldn't actually do anything else than to give us the ability to choose because that is a reflection of his character, not ours. His trustworthiness is absolutely assured. We're just saying about his faithfulness. They're very closely related. God can be trusted. Anyone say amen to that? It's like God can be trusted. Our problem is we bring all of our experience of broken trust and breaches of trust and trying our hardest to be accepted and earn trust to the table and want to put that on God. We might even say we've got evidence that God shafted us. God let me down. God breached his promises. He didn't answer my prayers. And so I've got evidence that God can't be trusted. Don't put your hand up, but you might have thought those thoughts. I think I have over the course of my last 60-odd years of my life. So God could have pre-programmed us to love him, to seek him, to want him, but he couldn't. He couldn't make us that way because he is trustworthy. And a trustworthy being to the core is going to give you, me, the created beings, the ability to choose what we do. And so, because I often wonder, why did he do that? What's going on? And so the story in Genesis chapter 3, where the serpent speaks to Eve in the first instance, and Adam and Eve both eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, is riddled with questioning God's integrity. And I want to say that that is a story way back. But it's exactly what goes on in your head and my head probably every day in 2022. God, I'm not sure I can trust you. God, I'm not sure you're for me. God, I'm not 100% convinced that my sin has been forgiven. No, no, no. God is trustworthy. The enemy is the one who whispers those lies and keeps on reinforcing at every turn, as often as possible, at any point, getting under your skin and mine to cause you and me to question God's trustworthiness. God is not in the business of earning your trust. Let me say it again. He is not in the business of... He can't do anything to increase his trustworthiness. He is trustworthy. He can't do anything to increase his goodness. He's good. I don't know about you, but I have realised as I've gotten older that things break down. Knee joints don't work like they used to. Elbows ache, shoulders 
sore, um, do exercise, and at my age, there's just less testosterone in my body. Well, I'm sure there is because I'm so I'm just not as strong as I used to be. I can't lift what I used to lift. It's called getting old. Anybody notice that it happens to you? Okay, here's a thought: God's not getting old. God's God's not getting older. Time's passing by, but He's not getting older or younger. He's just God. He's not wearing out. He's not changing with the passage of time. He's not rusting. He's not deteriorating. He's not rotting like a piece of fruit thrown out the window of a car on the side of the road. It'll rot down to nothing with the passage of time. God doesn't rot. God doesn't break down. God doesn't change. The Bible tells us he changes not. He's not changing his trustworthiness because he's getting old and grumpy. He's not changing his trustworthiness because you've kept on making mistakes and stuffing things up, which you might have or might not have done if you're like me. He's not changing according to what you or I do. So we've got no business to impose on God our criteria. Oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna test your trustworthiness, God. You're gonna earn my trust. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to earn your trust. It's a choice. It got to the point in the Garden of Eden, it was a choice. The serpent said, did God really say? Did God really say? No, he was actually lying to you. He actually doesn't want you to become like him. The devil's going to keep sowing all kinds of, let's just say, half-truths or complete lies into the narrative of your life in order to get you and me to do what Eve did and go, I'm going to choose something besides God. God can't be trusted. Let me tell you, God can be trusted. Who can you trust? Who can you trust? If you're under 25, I want to hear you scream this out. Who can you trust? (laughs) Did you cry out, living in hope, Kirby? I just explained that you are getting older, okay? Maybe not as decrepit as me just yet, but the days are coming. So let me ask you a question. Maybe you filled out a dream sheet last year. You had a dream. Hasn't happened. Has anybody been tempted to help God make it happen? There are things we have to do to make some dreams come to pass. I'm not saying don't confuse the issue. There's work to do. But there's another part of it in which the work bit comes, but it's got nothing to do with the waiting. In the Old Testament, again, you will have read this during this week. So we're right in the middle of what you should have been reading this week, or hopefully you have been. Chapter 12, we meet a guy called Abram, married to a wife called Sarai. She's childless. God visits, unloads a whole bunch of promises. That'll be a pretty exciting day, although I reckon it would cause me to wet my pants, but that's another story. When God turns up like that, it's pretty scary, right? But... Abram gets this promise about he's going to be the father of a great nation. But it's kind of like, well, he's not stupid. He's going, but um, I've got no kids. I've got nothing. But it turns out he's got lots. He just keeps getting wealthier and wealthier and wealthier because God's blessings on his life. And he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. Then one day, he and his wife decide, well, maybe we ought to help God bring about his promise. So sleep with my slave girl, Hagar, and then she'll become your next wife because they had multiple wives in those days. Perish the thought. Um, and um, <coughs> just, just put that out there. Um, 
And so she gets pregnant. Sarai still can't get pregnant. God's promised Abram an heir. They've decided God needs help. You've ever decided God needs help with his promise to your life? Didn't go well, as it turns out. This is a story. God doesn't do anything to them, doesn't cause anything out of the ordinary to happen as regards to this child. Ishmael is born and uh, maybe they thought this is it. Ishmael's the inheritance. The ancient tradition of how that all worked was he was a son and he was entitled to receive the inheritance. He was as effectively, but it wasn't what God said. God said, you, your wife at that time alone, Sarai, are going to be the instruments through which this happens. I don't met you, but we've only been doing dream services for, what, six or seven years maybe? Get a load of this. In this story in the Old Testament, 13 years later, say 13. Man, have you been waiting for a dream for 13 years? Have you been jumping in, wanting to help God get on with the, get on with the act? You know, oh God, if you're not going to do anything about it, I will. But God promises things. If his hand's on it, if you've heard from God, let them hear. If we've heard from God, we're going to be assured he's trustworthy. There's something about God that we can't, we can't accuse him of not coming through in, a, in the area of trust, he is absolutely trustworthy. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Absolutely trustworthy. So 13 years later, he shows up and says to Abram, no, Ishmael's not the one. Almost doesn't say, he's like, what were you thinking, guys? You, you just bailed on me. I told you that I would make you a father of many nations. And you're going to have a son. His name's going to be Isaac. By this stage, he was 86 when Ishmael was born. 13 years later, he's 99. 99 and Sarai's 90. I'm just thinking about me at 64 and I'm thinking, imagine adding another 33, 35 years to that and then having God turn up and say, oh, you're going to have a baby. It's like, <laughs> like, really? And then I think about Sarai. She's kind of, she's laughing because she's going, she's past it. Everything's over. It's like it's all closed up, done, done, done and dusted. So she laughs. And look at this. In the text, she laughs. And the visitor that was there, representing some angels and God turning up to just reinforce the fact this is going to happen, she laughs and she says, no, I didn't. I mean, have you ever lied to God like that? I'm thinking, she could have been fried on the spot. She just lied to God straight to his face. No, I didn't laugh. And she did. Did it make any difference to his promise? No. Not one iota. She didn't get any retribution for that, that I can see. Didn't get any consequence for laughing at God. Maybe you've had a laugh at God and you're thinking, oh, I've just screwed that up. But you haven't, because God's trustworthy. You can't breach his trust. He won't breach his trust, so you can't. The only thing that you can breach is your trust. How good is this? God is absolutely faithful and trustworthy. Or he mentioned, yes, the confusing thing is we impose our earning trust worldview onto God. Don't do that. I put it to you this morning, trust God. I put it to you, trust God. I put it to you if you're just wondering this morning. No, trust God. Trust God with everything. 
we've shared many, many times before that a pivotal verse in Julius and my and our family's life has been Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. If you remember no other scripture uh, uh, in your life off by heart, and I know you have and you will continue to memorise scripture, this one is worthy of uh, memorising. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. Live out of that. Absolutely. So today we are bringing our first fruits offering, which should be more about focusing on his trustworthiness than on us wondering what God's going to do with it. Why, don't wonder, trust God. Trust God to be the one who wants to bless you. He's already made promises to you in his word. Maybe you've given up on some of those promises because they just haven't happened yet. But maybe 13 years hasn't passed or maybe it's been 30 years or longer. It's like God's not coming through. No, no, if God's into it, God comes through. God is able to be trusted. Not only are we bringing a first fruits offering, which is a thanksgiving. We're looking back over the year that's been and we're saying, God, here is evidence of your faithfulness in my life. And I'm giving it to you as an offering of gratitude and thanks. Lord, take it, bless it, use it however you want, Lord. But as far as I'm concerned, it's my evidence. It's my proof of your trustworthiness from 2021. That's what the first fruits is about. We all say, I want to just put this in as a change of focus perhaps for some of us. We're also making God an offer with our dreams. That's what an offering is. It's actually making God an offer. You may recall, and this is where I want to be sure that you clear what you're doing. Abraham, no, sorry, Abel and Cain, you'll read about them in chapter 4 of Genesis this week. Cain and Abel both brought God an offering. And in the text again, it's not really clear what the problem was with Cain's offering. But it's very clear that God didn't like it. And he liked Abel's. He received Abel's, rejected Cain's. And it's kind of like, but just reading it as a story, there's no indication as to what the problem was with Cain's. You could pick up a word like he brought, it says Abel brought the best first uh, of, his, of his flocks, the very best, and Cain brought some of his produce from the land. It's kind of like, well, maybe that's it. It's just, it was incidental. And it's kind of like, you know, a little bit pedantic with words takes right through to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 11, to get an explanation from the writer of Hebrews. Abel's offering was received because it was brought in faith. Cain's was rejected because it wasn't. <laughs> so it's taken all that way through the Bible to get an answer to a problem in chapter 4 of Genesis. It's like, whoa, it's got to hang in there for a bit, right? So my challenge to you this morning then is this. Make an offering with God. Make a first fruits offering to God through faith. Is it a faith offering? Is it a safe offering? Is it an out there offering? Same with the dreams. Is the dream just a pipe dream? Is it a wonder if? Or is there something you go, I trust God with this. Ephesians says in chapter 3 that he can do more than all we ask or imagine. He can do, he can do, doesn't mean he will do. Let me say that again. Doesn't say he will do, 
It says, you can do. What is important to understand with the dreams, and I've written down a number on my sheet. Can I just, is that just down there somewhere? I've written down a number of dreams on the sheet for us. We've both written on this. and I'm kind of convinced that, well, they're good dreams. But I want to offer them to God. And I'm happy for him to put a line through most of them. Or any of them, actually. I'll rephrase it. He can put a line through any of those he wishes. But I'm believing by faith he's going to put his hand on at least one of them. And that's why we bring it forward to be anointed. It's not hocus pocus. It's not anything... um, in my view, other than very, very strongly symbolic of bringing these as an offering. We're going to pray for your dreams again with you this morning. I'll explain how we're going to do that in a moment. But we put oil on these. We've got some oil. Uh, just, it's just vegetable oil. It's not been mixed in a, in a special cauldron off-site and prayed over. And <laughs> It's vegetable oil. But it's been set aside for a holy purpose. If you're watching online this morning, just giving you a heads up, just uh, turn the volume up on your device and head to the cupboard, get out a little bit of oil, put it in a little cup or something that you can dip your finger in. I hope you've written some dreams down if you're at home. I hope that you're engaging with this because even though we can't physically come to you and put our hands on it with the oil that's here in the, in the sanctuary of this church, I want to believe with you that you can dedicate just common old household vegetable oil dedicated to God in that little container. Say, Lord, we're we're setting this aside to have a holy influence on our dreams. And we want you to put lines through whatever is not going to happen, but put your anointing and your power on what is going to happen on these sheets. Except at Parkside. Yes, if Parkside, just ignore all those instructions. You're doing it next week. (laughs) Thanks. It's like, ugh. Two locations still confuses me after two years. It's like, what? okay. Anyway, we're going to get to that shortly. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I want, I want you to be really confident that out of the things that you might be hoping could happen, I'm absolutely convinced because he's trustworthy, he'll have nudged you into a place where at least one, if not more of those things, maybe all of your dreams on that sheet are going to get the sovereign hand of God's blessing on it. And it's going to take you and your family, your destiny, to places that you could only obviously dream of and more because God is trustworthy. I wrote these notes and I didn't bring what I needed as a prop here, but said the anointing oil is selective. God actually is very selective because he's trustworthy. John 15, 16 and 17, Jesus said this of us, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So he's going to choose some of your dreams. I've got to be okay with that. I've got to go, yep, I trust God. It takes faith. An offering to God by faith is something that will move his hand. God chooses what he blesses. And I want to say to you, he's going to, he is in the business of blessing your dreams. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? So um, what we're going to do to be COVID um, 
very COVID safe or as safe as we can. We did this last year. The only addition this year is that everybody, including Julie, myself, Emma and John, who are going to stand out the front here and we'll pray for you and put oil on your dream cards. We will also be wearing masks. So we've asked the music team to just keep the volume down a little bit. Uh, we don't want anybody to feel in any way uncomfortable regarding COVID restrictions at all. So we're going to mask up for this this morning. Um, if you don't want to come forward when the rest of the people around you have come forward, but you'd like to believe that your dreams are going to be touched by God um, and the moment right now is just a little bit kind of uncomfortable for you, please, please, please come down and see any one of the four of us at the end. The music team's going to come at the end of the service for us to pray with them. You're most welcome to come down at that time. Um, if there's a problem in the way you're living with these moments in time, we just don't want you to be missing out or uncomfortable. Everyone cool with that? So all we're going to do is going to have John and Emma, Julie and myself, either side of this offering basket. Yes. Yep. Um, and we'll get into that. So I'll just I'll explain that in a moment. So we're going to, the other thing we're going to do is uh, we're going to just say goodbye to the guys online at a moment. Uh, we're going to play The Blessing. We'd love you to hang around. Just let that song speak into your life this morning. So let me pray as you tune out in a moment. Father, we pray together. Come on, church, lift your voice, speak in tongues, pray for them. We pray for our friends who are watching online this morning as they bring their dreams, as they anoint them in their homes or wherever they're sort of this outlaw with regards to oil, as they bring their first fruits offering to you this morning, Lord, I pray that your hand of faith would be upon them. Lord, that they would just say, Lord, here it is. Here's our dreams. Here's our offering. You choose, Lord. Your trustworthiness is all that we want to be applied to our dreams this year. We're believing for great things. We come in faith in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. God bless you and thanks for joining us online this morning.